When I'm not playing the Lost Eye of Thundera on my Commodore Amiga 500, I love nothing more than cruising Third Earth in the Thunder Tank, listening to Aaron and John on the Amigos Podcast. Thunder, 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 Thundercats, ho! Amigos, your home for everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasting. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodapar Schaller. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about Jim Power in Mutant Planet. What a name. Yeah. What a name this game has. <laughs> but before we, we take a little trip to the Mutant Planet, um, Aaron, is there anything going on in the world of Amiga News this We've week? We've had some news this week. A little bit. Let me, let me uh, open up the Gambletron 5000 here. So our good friend Adam Bradley posted, we should talk about this straight away, the Mist Project has has been shuttered, is dead, no more. This shocked me when I read it. Really? Yeah. So you read this as well. Yeah. I'm gonna ask you. Yeah, this is this has been this has been all over the internet, mm-hmm. all over the retro gaming communities. Um you know, I, I guess from from what I gathered is that it's just as it's not financially doable for this guy anymore because there's been so many clones that have come out. FPGAs in general, I guess, are gonna be more popular. There's more fish in the pond. You know, reading this you get an idea of what it's like to be out in front for a while. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, and this guy talks about it, he went through all the legal aspects, he went through all the electrical, getting things up to code, and getting things approved, and getting things approved in different countries, and all the things you have to do to market and sell an electronic device in a legal, responsible way. The problem is other people looked at his cunning, well-thought-out instrument. They ripped it off. They didn't do any of the things he did and then just sold it as as is uh, at a cheaper rate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's pretty much the long and short of it. He did everything he could to keep the prices down, but he had a certain point where he could not make he couldn't make these things and lose money. He had to stop. And so he's he basically admitted that he can't compete with people that are just cutting corners. Right. You know. Right. And we both uh, we've both ordered cheap crap from China. All right, and other countries, not just to single them out. China. Yeah. And you wait four to six hundred years, and it shows up, and you're like, I wonder if this will work. And you try it because it's so cheap, you don't care, and hopefully it works. Uh, and uh, that that's sort of the similar fate of. What's happened to this fellow? Other people were making it cheaper and cutting corners, and that's why it died. Uh, I don't think you can blame any one person. I don't think you blame the community. This happens often to people that are in front of the, of, of the race. You know, they can't keep up. How many times do we hear the vampire was going to die? Right. Like about 100 times? Well, it's still kicking. Maybe people have withdrawn or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's not going to be the last, uh, you know, uh, of that sort of, Card, you know, it's just the way it goes, and it was a sad thing. And this guy was right on the front of, of the of the movement, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, you know? I mean, whenever you're the first in line, unless you employ an army of lawyers to, you know, attack of all all of your opponents. And in the days of the internet, where you know you can order stuff, like you said, from China. I don't know how anybody makes money on any kind of uh, you know invention anymore because those copycats pop up so so quickly. Yes, I agree. So moving along. Um, I had a note sent over to me. Uh, I think this one was also Adam, and this is on the uh, a very interesting 
uh, I guess, case, the X500 Pro. Now, I watched this little video. I'm guessing you watched it as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had saw people uh, that were sort of negative towards this. And, and I watched this, and it is... I'm not negative towards it, but it is goofy to me. Uh, it's a little strange. Now, I don't know. Part of me, and basically to explain what this is, this is effectively like an Amiga-style case to put other to put other stuff in. You know, uh, you know. I don't know if you would put a, uh, a Raspberry Pi or a, or a uh, one of those microcomputers or whatnot. Mm -hmm, like it, a, a mini ITX. Right. It's a real. Fancy, it's pretty fancy looking. I didn't necessarily like some of the layouts, but the keycaps are all interchangeable, and uh, they've got different styles of keywords. I, I will say in the pictures, and we're watching the flashback, they picked the most god awful ones. I didn't. <laughs> did you? Did you like any of those? No. What the hell? Was I would, that? You know, it's. I was just thinking That's that. That's okay. Black. Right. They had like they just had weird combinations of colors. It reminds me of computers back. Way back, when it's you like, go to like a mainframe and right. there'd be a keyboard, it'd be like, looks like you just picked up random keys mm -hmm. and stuck it on there. It's got a mesh top. Right? I'm not crazy about the mesh top. It's dangerous yeah. to have that much mesh. It's <laughs> a lot of mesh. I know it's, it's a lot of mesh. Um, he's got uh, the room in there for a couple fans. Now this is a Kickstarter we should mention. Mm -hmm. Now all that said, uh, and I, this is why I didn't poo-poo this thing. I have really enjoyed. Uh, here's another one of my usual rants and how much I love the Amiga 600. The footprint on this thing's tremendous, and I will say having a big PC in a big, huge metal case that sucks. If I could have a computer that does all the crap my PC does and you could stick it in one of these X500 cases, I'd be a happy boy. Are, do you think that one of these is for the um, the Amiga 1, that thing that, that Amiga on the Lake sells? I don't know. I don't know. He, he, he has the base in it. He, he's, uh, he's got, it, it looks like a very small board in it. Uh, and he's got various keys and various, uh, um, you know, there's a mesh and there's sort of, a, for the backing, there's a mesh and there's sort of a plastic you can put on it. Um, yeah, you know, the, we were right to begin with. It's it's for a mini ITX motherboard. Right. So it's like, if you have a PC that you want to put in, in a case that looks a little bit like an Amiga, except maybe not quite as cool as an Amiga, then this is this is the thing I mean, for it, you. You can make this look a lot like an Amiga if you put the pat if you put the badges on it and the same kind of you know it would you know but I mean it's a black Amiga yeah yeah I, I or just whatever color I, I think that there's the other colors. I think there's something inherently weird about having an Amiga that's black. It just doesn't seem right. Uh, to me. I thought about spray painting mine because it's yeah. so regular. Now let me ask you: This is a Kickstarter. Did you catch how much they have raised? Let's have a look. Let's real go back quick. and see. Because I'm kind of wondering. If it's Looks close. like these guys have raised uh, just over 10% of their goal. So they let's wow. say they, they need 28,000 and they raised 29,59. But so, there's still 42 days to go. Now so. I will say this, and I wish these guys well. But and I, I can I will say that having plastic molded and and produced is an expensive undertaking. Right. Both, it is you know not what I'm cheap. talking about, don't you? Yep. And that much said, 30 grand. That's a lot of money uh, to ask for for this. I mean, how many people are using these to, for strictly? I, I don't know. That's a lot of money. Well, and what is, what's the cost on one of these? Say that you just you want to get you want to get a case. So it uh, looks like you've got to spend. Let's see, um, three hundred and sixty nine pounds. So that's so, roughly what, roughly four hundred twenty-five bucks. Five hundred twenty-three bucks. Okay. And so you're you're getting a case. 
Right. This does not include the computer. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, clearly not. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Uh, so that. I don't know. I mean, you can get a pretty nice computer for under five hundred bucks. Yeah, but it's not the it's the form factor. I understand. That. Or that maybe it's just the glamour of having this exciting right. you know, thing. I don't know. And I saw it's got a. It looks like it had enough room in it for a, like one of those baby eight a ATX style uh, power supplies. Two big fans. I don't know. It again, that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, but if that's your bag, you know, go for it. I wish the guy well. I hope he gets it. But he, I would I would not be surprised if this one gets re tailored and brought back at a cheaper rate because you got a long way to go to make 30 grand. So right. that's, that's a lot. But still, you know, hey, at least someone's up there trying. And, and for, I can actually see why you would want one of these. I will say that. It, something to having a cool little computer, it's fun. Yeah. You know? But then again, that's why we got laptops, I guess. All right, moving right along here. So <clears throat> we've got an article here. Now, I have to say, I, I, I didn't see this one pop up. This is another one from Adam. Uh, Tribute Magazine has launched. Let's have a look at that one, Boat. Uh, and basically, what this is, is a, is a new magazine, I believe, isn't it? An online uh, affair. It's an online magazine, yeah. but it's dedicated to the first ever European magazine which focused on the Amiga. So, of course, we wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess the, you know, AUI is the, the original magazine. And I guess they've, they've launched this website uh, to sort of um, resurrect the feeling around it. You know, this, every magazine had its own sort of flavor. And maybe they're hoping to sort of recapture that essence in online form. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, hmm. It's a, uh, it, it, you know, magazines weren't as big a deal over here. Or certainly Amiga magazines. We only had what two? Well, the Amiga wasn't as big of a deal right. over here. But I mean, and Coco. But I mean, I, magazines were a much bigger deal over there. Like yeah. the, the, the they, they appreciate that were they appreciate the written word a lot more in Europe than we do here. Really, the only magazines we had that had like awesome discs on the front. I guess PC Gamer maybe included some discs there for a while. But that's I can't think of many many more. Uh, Can you? A lot of the yeah, a lot of the console based magazines like PlayStation magazine and stuff. They all had demo discs on the front. Yeah, that was after my that was after the retro era as yeah. far as I'm concerned. So, but but I'm talking actual floppies. Right. I remember buying PC games. Well, uh, Ant Antic magazine had maybe you just didn't get any of the magazines that yeah because Antic had a cover disc. Um, I only had an Atari computer, so I don't know about any. Can of the you other imagine ones. though? They had over in, in the UK for the Amiga. You had countless. Yeah. You know. It'd be, and I remember getting a lot of UK magazines because they had the discs. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to try this. And also, they were just way better right. than what we had. So, eh. But hey. Good luck neat. to those yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So here's a sad one, Boat. I know you actually put this one up. I'll let you talk about it. Uh, Bob Wakelin. You want to talk about what, what happened here? Um, yeah, as soon as, I, as soon as I'm able to pull it up. Why don't you, why don't you get us rolling? So uh, Bob Wakelin has passed away. He was an artist. Okay. Uh, so uh, Bob worked for, um, he, he did a lot of contract work for Ocean, um, and he, he designed so many classic covers of uh, Amiga games, not only Amiga games, but all the classic computer uh, games that came out through Ocean, especially in the UK. Sometimes in the States we got different cover art. Um, and a lot of these games didn't, didn't even come out here. But, um, you know, Daily Thompson Decathlon, how many copies did that sell? So um, just, you know, tons and tons of um, really epic, 
uh, memorable cover art. Um, Amigo Chris Folds even has a signed Bob Lakeman yeah. poster in his, awesome. in his room. The art here, um, as we're, we're boats flipping digital, is, is tr- a lot of this I've never seen. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of sad. Unfortunately, he did the art for Kid Chaos, and that was it. But, oh, you can't blame him for that. <laughs> yeah, he, he got paid. But anyway, um, man, look at that Miami Vice. That's, that's a perfect cover for that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, rest in peace, uh, Bob. And uh, we uh, we'll, we sure appreciate your work. His death got a lot of, uh, I saw it everywhere. You know, he was a celebrated guy. And I have to say, uh, like we were just discussing, I, I don't really keep up with a lot of the artists and stuff. But I mean, you, you look at, and we talked about, it was the guy that did Wizball uh, 2, or what, uh, the, uh, the the one we covered a couple months Wizkid. ago. Wizkid. Uh, I remember t- uh, talking about the artist on that because that was such an unusual art style and some of the stuff he did. So every once in a while we'll touch on it. But I will say, having looked this guy's stuff over was really tremendous. I mean, yeah. this guy was, was a good hand for sure. Um, so lastly, before we get into site news, new joystick. This is from Chris Folds. And this is a con- Competition Pro, the old standard joystick that everyone loves. They're back in stock. An Amiga kit, you can go grab you one. What's uh, the what's the going rate for one of these? Twenty eight ninety nine pounds. So that is that is not cheap. No, it is not. And people love these sticks. Now, I'm, have you ever used one of these boats? Never, okay. never in my life. You know me. I am a I'm a Wicco man. You'll you'll ride that thing into the ground. I got two now, and I I would never give them up. Uh, that said, these look pretty good. Uh, the big sticks, though, I do have to say, I like the I like one I can fully grasp, mm-hmm. and the bigger ones. I've got those bad handle Wickos. I don't use them that much. I know you hated the one you had. Well, it was non-functional, well, yeah, so was that had something to do functional with functional light. Let's go there. <laughs> Listen, at least at the end of it wasn't chewed off. That's know? true, but both you know, choices in joysticks they have to be gnawed on before he hey, gets into them. I gotta be able to taste the action. Oh, that's <laughs> that's just wretched. So if you're looking to get a Comp Pro. Uh, you know they're they're out there. They're out there. Otherwise, I know these things. The used ones are going. I could see them go pretty expensive on on occasion. It would be interesting to see if you can get one of the new ones for cheaper or more than the going rate of an old one. I don't know, man. So let's get let's go roll right in the site news. Okay. Seamlessly. So right out of the gate, let's talk about Brutal Barracuda. He came out last week with seven games that for the Amiga that went on to be movies. Well, not to be outdone. He flipped, he flipped the script and reversed Ooh. it. And now it's 75 <laughs> Amiga games based on movies. Mm. Now let me tell you something. I'll watch this. And by the way, the Double B's format is uh, beyond reproach. Yeah. The timer, the spinning on, everything on it is great. And he, I mean, these are slick, slick, slick. I got to get some lessons from this guy. Uh, and he goes through a bunch of these games. And I'll have to say... I actually remembered or have played a good chunk of these. There were a couple that popped up. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that got a game? Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, when you think about it. Uh, se- this is one of them. We're looking at Lethal Weapon. Like, I, I didn't know there was a game based on you Lethal know, Weapon. You know, 75 games over the course of the Amiga's lifespan. I mean, that's 10 games a year, you know. Well, there was a lot of licensing out there. Yeah. I would wager a large chunk of these were involved with Ocean mm-hmm. in some capacity, who would license your home movies yeah. if they could get a good rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, now out of these 75 boats, and this is, I know you get, I don't know if you've watched this entire video, but just roughly off the top of your head, what percentage of these do you think is crap? 
I'd say probably 80%. 80%? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was thinking more like 60, but hey. I think, you know, most licensed games are just not any good. Now, um, there are games that are sort of entertaining, but still bad, like the Blues Brothers. Yeah. I did an Amigos plays on that. And I mean, although it was virtually unplayable after a certain point, uh, it was still kind of neat to see, you know, Jake and Elwood doing their thing on the Amiga. Well... We've played a few of these. We haven't done a ton of licensed stuff, but we've done some. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it is a mixed bag often. But, hey, you know, it's still kind of neat. And it, the good thing about a licensed game is it takes you back to that exact point in time, and you can see what was going on. By the way, a Running Man game I didn't know existed. Because remember, I, just, I think it was like two months ago, I was like, why have they made a Running Man game? And there it is. <laughs> so once again, I'm an uninformed idiot. Well, I'm still not sure that they've made a Running Man game, well, to be no. honest with you. Hey, it's called Running Man close <laughs> enough for me. So let's talk about, and this I'm sure this fellow watched that video because he's reported on many of these games. It's our old buddy Dreamcatcher. So this this time around, Dreamcatcher did something. I, re I read this the second he posted it, <laughs> and it's about uh, the uh, game rivalry, if you will, between the... Uh, Highly touted Transformers and the poor second you, banana go by. Are you going to sing that title? I don't know how to sing it. Galvatron, oh Galvatron, I still hear your particle accelerator cannons crashing. I still don't know how to sing it. What's that based on? Man, I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> Help me out it's here. It's Galveston. No, sorry, I don't. I don't know it. Really? I'm sorry, man. How can I tell Have you, you ever heard Wichita Lineman? Yeah. Okay, it's the same guy. Oh, pff, what the, that's still pretty obscure. Gl Glenn Campbell, one of the biggest singing stars uh, of our generation. Yeah, I know. So, let's get to the game. This isn't this isn't the Amigos presents weird old music. I though. wish we could do a Glenn oh Campbell show. Oh my God! Are be you great. kidding me? I know you come out here dressed like it. <laughs> so. Um, this basically goes into the very the, the games that came out under the GoBots, the Transformers banner. Now, the Transformers game is notorious crap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if you remember playing That's this, a box quote right there. Notorious <laughs> crap. It's the notorious C-R-A-P. Um, I used to not be in the GoBots or Transformers, to be complete. I've got a you couple were, Transformers. You were kind of old when they already... When no, they, you were they kind of weren't old that me. old. I've got a couple Transformers. I was not that old, you bum. I've got um, one of the airplanes at the house. It's right that's in Luke's room. And I used to have Optimus Prime, too. Nobody had GoBots, because if you had GoBots, you looked like a jerk. I had GoBots. Uh, why didn't that surprise me? Did you, did you wear this ensemble to school back in the day? I did. I was I very popular. It. I knew it. So <laughs> GoBots were the, uh, you know... Sad, pathetic, second banana to the Transformers. Although, well, I think that their names were also sad and pathetic. I'm pretty sure that they, they're like the main GoBot. His name was Leader One or yeah, something like and, that. But so. it's funny because this article mentions that the GoBots actually sort of predate the Transformers. Mm. Who to thunk it? It's one of those Oreo Hydrox situations. Yeah, I guess so. And also, I did not realize that the GoBots cartoon stuff by Hanna Barbera, which I like some of Hanna Barbera stuff. In fact, me and the me and the kid are currently watching the uh, All Star Laugh Olympics. Ah, through the whole I like that of show. Yeah, uh, but uh, <clears throat> it looks like the GoBots game was less wretched than the Transformers mm. game. Both, neither one of these look like uh, a million bucks. You know what I'm saying? I think the GoBots is sort of like a sort of a Defender kind of mm -hmm. rip off. Neither one of them exactly lit up the rate the uh, reviewers <laughs> either. But it's a it's an interesting article. It's done in Dreamcatcher's own 
interesting style, and uh, it's the kind of article you would expect from the man. And I enjoyed it. I, I, I had a good laugh, and I, I'd forgotten the GoBots existed too. So really, that, I mean, just such. Not a day goes by when I don't reflect them. I mean, they were the loser toy. If you well, like. yeah, I mean, they they were definitely you know when Transformers came out, they were all metal and cool. GoBots, I'm pretty sure, were mostly plastic. They were the B team, prone to break. And yeah. if you had the big money, the big money. You'd skip all this crap and just go right to the Micronauts. Mm. Those things cost a fortune. Really? You could kill them, man. You could beat them to death. I was not familiar with the Micronauts. They were all hard plastic and metal, mm. and they were na but they were cool. I mean, their comics stunk, but I did I did have a bunch of them. So anyway, that's a good read right there. Now, I don't want to toot our own horn, Boat. I do. I hate to do it. <laughs> but last week, we sat down for what I can only describe as an epic encounter this isn't Amiga related, but I'm going to pitch it anyway because I was so proud of it. Me and Boat took my uh, childhood Odyssey 2 that I recently modded, and we did, we sat down and played one of the master strategy games, the premier game on the Odyssey 2, Quest for the Rings. Quest for the Rings was an interesting game on the Odyssey 2 that was not only a video game, but a board game. And you and you had a, an overlay that went over the keyboard, and a board and in little pieces and you played a board game and at, at certain times you were required to pick your joystick up and play the video game. We had never played it, all right? I had never played it with the board. I mean, as a kid, we would just load up the game and try to figure out what was going on. And Boat had a, gosh, how many cameras do you have here? Five cameras, four or five cameras Lots of cameras. And plus, Boat went in and digitized all the art and, and uh, displayed this thing and it, and it turned out it was the it's the probably the most awesome thing we've ever done. Probably you know, so. Uh, in terms of difficulty, the game went without a flaw yeah, once we it, figured out the instructions. In terms of it not blowing up on us like many of our endeavors, this was. It was. I kept waiting for the Odyssey to fail right. because this this was the console that I owned as a child. This was the first thing I ever had. I've mentioned it on the show before, and uh, it played great. And the everything boat would enter the art and book uh, pictures for, for different parts of the game so you could understand what we were doing. And we've gotten a lot of real happy, nice compliments about it. I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, I really, probably the most fun I've had. Yeah. Uh, we didn't win. Unfortunately. But we, but we still had a good run. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll probably almost certainly play some more of these board game uh, Odyssey games again. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, so we're pitching it because I think it's something that anybody can enjoy. And it's a real... In the land of video games, it's a real oddity. I mean, it never has been done before or since that I know of. And uh, you'd be crazy to try it because the amount of money it would have cost to generate that game, that was probably a, they would sell that game now for $200. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, when you look at the quality of the pieces, they're real metal pieces. Um, the, the the instruction man was really good paper. The, oh, the the box was like a treasure chest that you opened up. Yeah. And it, I mean, the manual had full color glossy paper mm -hmm. with a kind of a parchmenty gold leaf paper in End between paper. the pages yeah. and just an uh, unbelievable spectacle just to have the box is unbelievable mm -hmm. so we enjoyed it and uh if uh if uh, the public demand is high enough or even if it's not we will probably once we figure out how to play the other two games which are much more complicated public demand has never stopped us from doing yeah, anything we will, we're gonna do the next one so again <laughs> not amiga related but amigo related just because mm -hmm. we had so much fun doing it so we thought we'd mention it so um 
if we've got anything else here, Boat, I think we may have ran. Do you have anything yeah, else to I've talk got, about? Yeah, I've got one other thing. I wanted All to right. take a quick look at the old YouTube channel, the Amigos Retro Gaming YouTube channel, because we've got a new feature uh, coming out. Uh, Brutal Barracuda has gone through and uh, selected all yes. of our classic mailbag segments and drawn them from the show. And uh, so you can see us uh, opening various things. Um, Turned off the green screen on that part. Yeah, this was the this was one of our crazy Christmas episodes. So I don't even know what we're talking about there. But uh, you can go through and watch all of our classic mailbags where we we open up lots of British candy and Norwegian candy and. I couldn't believe how many of these there were. I know. There's, I know. I, mean, I don't. I didn't count, but there's got to be at least twelve, something like that. And if, and something else I found interesting is like uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the double B, who is going through and done this for us. Had we are. We need this because we've botched all these gifts, <laughs> including his, <laughs> yeah. right? When People send us stuff, and we immediately forget who so sent it to us. If, have you ever heard the old phrase, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself? BB, the Barry could have took it. He took that phrase to heart. That's and right. To make us be better. He went through and did this. So we appreciate it. And Thank you, fun Brutal. To watch. If you want yeah. to watch us gorge ourselves and generally look stupid, there you go. <laughs> all right, Aaron. Uh, I believe it's time to dive right into this week's game of the week, Gym Power in Mutant Planet. Now, right off the bat, let me just preface this by saying I had never heard of this game, I had never seen this game, and I had no idea what this game was about. In fact, I asked you, I was like, what is this game? And he said, just do it, it'll be great. I was like, okay, so. Well, uh, this was a game that was um, brought to our attention by Amigos Game Selection Committee member, Chris Foles. This was a Foles. He suggested this one. So, we'll get into it. So, Jim Power, this is the full title, Jim Power, colon, in Mutant Planet. Emphasis on the colon. In Mutant Planet. Not on the planet. <laughs> there, he's in the planet. It's a mutant planet. He's up he's in, in it. He's in it, yeah. So, this thing uh, dropped in 1992, and the developer of this was an outfit called Digital Concepts. I'm going to come back to them in a minute. This is actually the backstory of this game is kind of interesting. So this came out on two discs. Um, the uh, people that published it was an outfit called, uh, you want to try to pronounce that, Lauriseal? It's French. Yeah, I, this is one that I don't really know. Lauriseal is what I'd go with, too. Now, I was familiar with these guys uh, because I knew them from Panza Kickboxing. Ah, Panza <laughs> Kickboxing. Another French title, which I loved, as you know. Uh, they also did another game I like, so that's two. They, they did the Tennis Cup series. They did Tennis Cup 1 and 2. I'm a big fan of Tennis Cup 2. Uh, they did uh, Speed Racer, Go Speed Racer Go. Yeah. And they did uh, Sherman Tank, Sherman M4, and they also did Pinball Magic. You remember Pinball? I, I don't think we ever filmed that, but I've taken a look at that. I'm, I'm guessing you did too. It's that's, part of that big pinball pack. I was going to say, that's not the one where you're the basketball player down on his luck, right? <laughs> No, that was a Saturn game. Okay. <laughs> Holy smoke. Yeah, if you want to see a real bizarre game, look our Saturn channel up. We played a pinball game on there about a basketball player. It's the strangest pinball game of all time. So um, this game, and I'm going to mention this for a reason. This game, it was coded by a fellow named Fernando Velez. Um, and uh, his partner was a fellow named... Uh, Guillemot Dubail. Again, for our French listeners, I apologize. Um, so, these two were quite a pair, which I'll get into their story in a little while. Now, the music on this game, who's the man? 
Huselbeck. That's right. That's right. Chris Huselbeck. He's done it all, right? He's done Great Giannis Sisters, Monkey Island, R Types, The Turricans, Fidia, DC Kid. We've reviewed a lot of these yeah. games, haven't we? We're a big Huselbeck fan. And one of your personal favorites, the game you couldn't get, figure out how to start, Bad Cat. Had <laughs> 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 to throw that in there. That's a whole other story. Um, so this was actually here's something that surprised me. This guy, this game actually got quite a bit of conversion um, <clears throat> for something I've never heard of. It came out in the ST, of course. Uh, it came out on the PC Engine. Didn't know that. Mm. Right? Uh, the TurboGrafx CD is where, it, uh, more precisely. Uh, it came out on the Super Nintendo, Bo. Did you know that? No. Yeah, man. Uh, and it came out on the PC, and it came out on the Genesis slash so this, Mega Drive. This got the full slate of it releases. Did. Now, when you look at, I will say, parts of this game, when you look at it, you think to yourself, oh, it's, I could see this on a console yeah. with, no, with no problem. So... Before we get into the actual game, I want to talk a little bit about some of the people that were involved in the game. Because they're actually, it's kind of an interesting interesting story. Um, so, the game was developed by an outfit called Digital Concepts, okay? So, Digital Concepts uh, was only stayed that name for a little while. And eventually the name was changed to VDDev. And that stood for Valet and Dubal Dev Team, right? So... The two gentlemen I talked about earlier, Velez and Dubal, they were partners and they worked, and their philosophy was uh, one guy would do the coding and one guy would do the graphics, and this is how they worked. And these guys were actually very well respected all the way across the board for being very innovative. Uh, some of their biggest games, this was their first game, but they actually had a lot of hits on like, your, on like the Game Boy you know, and that's sort of where they made their name because they would take these like racing games, for example, and they would and they would be awesome, right? And one of the big ones they had was called V Rally on the Game Boy Color. That sort of got them on their way. Another game was called Wacky Races, which I'd heard of that game. That's another Game Boy and Game Boy Color uh, test drive, Supercross freestyles. They did a lot of driving games, and they were they were known for being uh, able to. Uh, generate these games. They did the first Game Boy game that was a uh, driving game that was in a 3D perspective. It wasn't an overhead. So this was quite a feat when they did it. Uh, they were working on a game uh, and in, unfortunately it was just their last game because uh, unfortunately one of the partners, uh, Velez, on June 10th, he uh, got taken to the hospital for a heart failure and he passed away on July 22nd of 2016. Oh. So, yeah. Kinda, recently departed. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and his partner, again, they were, in the, they were in the process of making a game, and the game was, eventually, was originally going to come out for the Wii U, and it's a racing game. Uh, it was going to come out in the Wii U, and it hasn't, and so they're still working on it because he died right in the middle of the game. Oh, and my so gosh. Or, I mean, it's playable, but it's not finished, and mm -hmm. so... It's kind of sad. So there's sort of been, there's a lot of turmoil there in the studio. That was, that right. was kind of a depressing uh, thing to read. Didn't that happen with uh, the game that we talked about last week? The, didn't a similar situation happen where the developer passed away and they had to they had to have somebody come in, or maybe he was just fired? The only one I can think of was like was the fellow that did. Uh, was that Caverns of Mars? The, the one the fellow I think of was Deluxe Galaga that happened. Right. That fellow was yeah. doing that. He was doing the. Uh, uh, the uh, game and the, the sequel, and he, and he passed away. Um, so the, the game they were working on, by the way, was called Rise, Race the Future. And so there was... Was it R-Y-S-E? R-I-S-E. Oh. And so this game, it was slated to be released 
in this, this past December. It didn't come out, so uh, it's it has not been released yet. So, but again, it's kind of sad, but I mean, you can tell from this game, we'll get into this game's graphs or whatever, but these guys weren't just like a couple hacks. I mean, no. they, they had some skills. Um, so let's talk about Laura CL or whatever the name of the developer is. They're an interesting story, too. So they're a French uh, game developer. They, they started their uh, development in, 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 in 83. They were a developer before they were a publisher. Um, so they found, uh, they found a lot of success working on a uh, system called the Auric One. Have you ever heard of that Auric yeah. One? Yeah, I, I thought that that was a mini computer. Like yeah, the, it's, it's well, I mean, one it was of those a, big refrigerator size. It was out in '83. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Yeah. So then, at one point, these guys were the biggest video game developers in France. If you can believe that. So um, eventually, they went in. They was they were went into publishing. And they, like I said, they published, among other things, Panzer Kickboxing, which ended up being their biggest, uh, the well, most well-known hit, aside from probably this. Uh, so, again, a decent publisher. I like when we do stuff from other countries, because uh, we've, we've done a couple games that were mostly French. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's kind of neat. To, it's just kind of neat. And it, it, there's a flavor to the game sometimes. That, and Pans is like that, too. There's, it's, it's different. It's mm -hmm. a little different than what we normally would expect. So... With all that in mind, let's talk about Jim Power. So Jim Power is a game. Uh, it's a game with several different faces. Um, some parts of the game are are basically side scrolling, uh, shooting, and jumping. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure we have a formal name for it. Uh, side scrolling shooter. Shooting and jumping. <laughs> well, there's jumping in there. Okay, side scrolling uh, platformer. Side scrolling action platformer. Man, bam, you got it, boat. So. Um, in this game, you play Jim Power. There's a really dopey backstory where Jim Power basically just he's on the pl mutant planet and he's uh, he's got to rescue his girlfriend. I believe mm -hmm. is the, but I mean, so wow, that's original, right? right. Um, the first thing you'll notice on the very first level, the very first screen of, of the game, is that you've got uh, parallax scrolling coming out the yin yang. Mm -hmm. in this. Uh, it's sort of like. It reminded me, the Parallax in it reminded me more of Shadow of the Beast than it did Lionheart, but if, if those two games had like a sun, if you took Lionheart and then made it as hard as Shadow of the Beast, you would have the first level of this game. Uh, in, the, in the Amiga style, this game is nigh impossible. And I will say up front, it should be noted straight out of the gate, I had to cheat to see almost every part of this game. Well, and it, you know that it's you know that it's a hard game when our boy Zeus Daz, who's providing us with this a playthrough, he's got infinite lives turned on. Yeah, you so have, that tells you all you yeah, need. Yeah, because Zeus Daz can go. So um, <clears throat> this game has several different flavors. So again, in the first level, you're running around. So the, your Jim Powers also has a jetpack, and so some levels involve you. Uh, sort of a, uh, a flying shooter, I guess would be the best way mm -hmm. to put it. Uh, and some levels, like one that comes to mind is there's a level where you're sort of uh, hovering in front of this weird vehicle, are sort of both. I mean, yeah. it's sort of like you're flying, but there's ground, and it's 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 and there's a thing in front of you. It's hard to explain. It's an interesting perspective. The, yeah, you're basically flying in between two enemies right. for like a, the whole level. Mm -hmm. um, this game has a lot of uh, different you know, obstacles. They do a lot in this game, probably more than any game I think I've ever seen, with, with um, floating 
platforms. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to say, because I thought I thought Lionheart was very clever with the way they used. I know you didn't like it, but the, the way they used the flying, the floating platforms, and it was interesting. Sometimes you'd have to hit the platform oh, yeah. to stop I, it. I thought that was interesting. This game, it's not as clever as Lionheart, but it's every bit as. Um, as, as innovative in terms of platforms. Some of the platforms move in a weird pattern, and they're really, and or some of them like are like waved, and you have to jump on them. It's real strange. Uh, sometimes you you go in and out of like structures in a weird way, uh, and and you can sort of see yourself in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, through a cutaway in the right. wall. Um, sometimes you the, uh, uh, the there are spikes in the structures, and so you've got to uh, literally. As you get on the structure, if you stay on it too long, you'll be killed. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and it's very strange. Sometimes they have, you know, a lot of games have little trap doors that open and shut. This one will have trap doors that go on for a couple screens, and they'll open and shut at different times. And it's, man, it's tough. I yeah. Mean, I mean, stop me when I'm wrong. It is brutally hard. And of course, if you fall, there's no second chance or saving yourself. If you go, you're gone. Now, uh, um, the the amount of damage your guy can take. I mean, it, everything seems to kill this guy everywhere you go. I mean, he could literally, this is the most, the mutant planet is the most <laughs> dangerous planet. It's like the Australia of planets. I'm assuming he landed on the on the Shadow of the Beast planet, <laughs> like the other side, and this is like- The dark side of the Shadow of the Beast planet. <laughs> mutant planet is brutal, man, it is brutal. Now, what were your initial impressions on this boat when you first fired it up? Well. This game, it's interesting because I think that this game took a lot more from Japanese uh, game development um, than uh, a game like Lionheart or Turrican because of the way that the levels are set up. The fact that um, the game, the, there's not any vertical exploration. You don't have these labyrinth-like levels where you're not really sure where to go, where you fall off the edge of something and you have to reclaim lost territory. Like, say, a Turrican 2. Right, like Turrican yeah. 2 or Lionheart. Um, this game is much more like a Contra-style affair where you're working your way from the left side of the level to the right side um, with very little verticality in there. Um, I thought that as beautiful as the backgrounds are, you know, with the multiple layers of parallax scrolling, uh, the way that the um, the way that the platforms move around, I thought that they definitely cut some corners on old Jim's animation. Uh, he's got an, he's another one of these heroes with the strange and unusual skill of being able to jump without bending his knees. <laughs> He does um, a lot. I told you, he walks like he's got a stick shoved up his eye. It's a very uh, Huckleberry Hound esque uh, oh, animation. Man, that poor game. You keep referencing <laughs> it. Um, and the same way with the enemies too. One of the things, one of the few things that I think is great about Lionheart is they oh. really took the time to animate the enemies well. They didn't just sort of hover around and kind of slide towards you without being animated. Um, these enemies don't really do a whole lot. They move around on the screen, but they don't have a lot of frames of animation. So I thought, even though the backgrounds themselves, the levels are, are you know, very well decorated. I wouldn't, I would hesitate to call them pretty because they're very heavy on the neons, um, and in sort of a, um, I don't know, vomit-inducing way for me. But it's it, it's very Shadow of the Beast-like for sure. Well, I'll tell you the first the first time I loaded up the first level, I, I mean the Amiga allegedly. Now I, I didn't sit here and count, but the uh, the allegedly the Amiga version of this game offers twelve levels of parallax, which that's that's out of the completely out uh, insane. Right. Twelve levels, boat. 
But I was, the first thing I saw was on when I played the first level was it looked washed out to me. It was just really had a, 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 it was like an EGA quality to it. And by that, I mean like a 16, it just didn't look, it wasn't very colorful, I guess. I mean, it, it, the colors that they had just were very dimmed. I don't know what it was. I don't know if that was a limitation of using that much scrolling or that's how you had to use a color variance to, to get that. But uh, it now the game, not, not every level looks like that. Some of the levels look better than others. They all look impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt about that. The the amount of things going on with and, and the frame rate. I never saw the frame rate dip at all. No, and, you know, and, it, it does. It, it animates very well. There is not any slowdown or not, there's not a whole lot of flickering. I mean, um, it, you know, gameplay wise, aside from the difficulty, uh, is 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 pretty impressive. It's a, it's a it's a uh, this is a show your game system off type game, mm-hmm. you know, especially this thing runs on the OCS. I mean, ponder that if you will. Which this is another of those games that makes me wonder why we didn't get this sort of action off a lot more. More games, games like this, yeah. You know, now I mean, again, this game from a beauty wise is it's a pretty attractive game. It's not the, like I said, it's not the most colorful, but I mean, there's so much going on. It's an impressive technical feat, if anything I, You else. know, I'm sitting here watching this thing, and I don't understand why you don't think it's colorful. To me, this is just the as colorful The first level, as... I thought, was elite, was not very good. I mean, color-wise. The other levels, are the subsequent levels, I thought were better. But mm. the first, I was, I was underwhelmed. Because I'm looking at this right now, and I mean, this is just as colorful as any game on the platform. Well, it, again, the first level is what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. I thought it was, I thought it was underwhelming, especially to start your game off with it. It just, uh, my yeah. first impression well, wasn't. How many games have we reviewed where the first level is terrible, and then it gets good about two thirds of the way through an it impossible is strange. game? Yeah. Now this game has end bosses. Uh, I managed to get to a couple uh, through various means, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they were pre- they were pretty standard fare. I mean, I, I, that's not fair. I guess. Some of them were different. The uh, uh, there's like I said, there's a weird sort of vehicle you fight. There's a weird sort of thing with an eyeball in the middle of it that you, that you fight that was pretty interesting. I actually fought the last guy in the game and uh, through cheatery got past him. It's just sort of like devil demon looking guy with wings and stuff. So, I mean, I thought they did a pretty good job on the on the on the bosses. I mean, I like games that have a boss battle. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you need to have them in a platforming game like this for sure. sure. Absolutely. Um, this game had multiple weapons and power-ups you could get for the guy. Uh, and let me tell you something. You needed a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the various bullets and whatnot, uh, as many as you could pick up. So uh, this thing had uh, clocks. Oh, did we mention there was a clock as a timer that you have to get it through? I turned that thing the heck off. <laughs> That's the first thing I did. So you could pick up fruit, and that will give you hit points, basically, or life points. Uh, just one ups floating around, and there are there are diamonds, uh, but the smart bombs are on there. That now the smart bombs. This is a, of course this is Boat's favorite type of game, up for jump. Mm-hmm. Now, did, when you played this, did you play it with up for jump on, or did you actually map it? I knew, so I knew, to, I knew from watching the playthrough that this was going to be way too hard for me to do, no matter what I remap my buttons to. So I just decided to play it in all its original controller glory. Now, I, I played this two different ways. I played it with my Wiko, and I also played it with the Super Nintendo converter I had, and I used, this is the first game I tried using the various settings on to make a, one of the Super Nintendo buttons jump, mm-hmm. and I, I, I like that. It, it, worked, it worked, but the thing is, of course, uh, on levels where you're flying around, things change, so you can't, it, for this game, it's, I wouldn't recommend it, but I mean, anything that much you use a button for jump, at least for a few levels, was good. I'd have to move it back, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, but you could have different shots, like we mentioned, and th- those were important. Uh, but I mean, it, it really didn't matter. 
because you could kill more people, but you were screwed. <laughs> I mean, this game is, I thought it was, that's the biggest Achilles heel. Graphics are great, parallax scrolling great, music great. We didn't mention how much music, it's not Turrican great, but it's pretty darn good music. Um, it's just too hard. If you did not have cheats in this, you would be screwed. I don't know how anyone could get off the second level. Uh, I don't think I don't. I don't have any idea. I mean, unless you're just a real good hand, it is brutally hard. I did not make it past the second level. Yeah, I, I would. I would imagine not. I can understand that. Like I said, it's just it's just a hard game. And we, I'm, you're not a horrible game player either. You're pretty good hand at this sort of thing. But this was just too much. It was too much. So, what did you think overall? I mean, how would you, how do you? We get, you know this is the classic Amiga game, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's got some things we love and some things we absolutely. Don't love. I think that this is this is this is the archetypal Amiga game where it's beautiful to look at, um, but it's it's borderline unplayable because of the difficulty. Yes. Um, you know, I think that the game holds a lot of things back too long. You know, they when is the first level that you get the the jetpack? Do you remember? I think I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, but I mean, they needed to I have never, that. They needed to have that in like the second level or well, something. You know, I thought those levels were every bit as hard as the running around. But level. it's still, you know, even if you're bad, it gives you a chance to experience all the different things in the game that the game has to offer. It, I would have mm -hmm. almost liked to have had a Mega Man style selection on this, where you could pick oh, yeah. a series of worlds. And there is an overworld, you know, that you yeah. move through, sort of like it's Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it reminded me of: Ghosts and Goblins. Now, um, this game actually got a sequel. Uh, it only it was a different company, and it came out on the Super Nintendo. Believe it or not, uh, I have not played it uh, for this review, and since we don't do Super Nintendo games, but uh, um, again, different company, different era. So effectively, it's pretty much a whole new game at that point. Um, this game, there was one thing I did want to mention: the cover art on this game. Uh, if you look at the cover art, if you're watching our show, Boat has a picture of the box up there. Uh, I found an awesome website I'd never seen, and these guys track down where they got the cover art for these books or for these uh, boxes and this is one that was traced straight from a uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> he, exact same pose and they, it was literally traced they, they set them side by side wow. and they just added the gun and the hat and the sunglasses I mean it was it's, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme like straight up which I thought that was funny something else I wanted to mention if you're interested in learning about uh, Les and Duval the guys that did this and, and did a lot of other stuff I mean their story is pretty interesting there's a uh, YouTube documentary on those two guys, and it's it's really interesting to see what, where they came from and stuff. And I'll I'll link it up on on our Google Plus page. Um, I looked this one up on eBay. And by the way, before I get to eBay, one thing I want to mention: you talk about this being more of a Japanese game. That would probably explain why it did get a Turbo Graphics CD release, and it was only in Japan. You know, it's funny too because also, do you remember the end screen of this game? Yeah, it was lame. Yeah, but it's very anime inspired. Yeah, like it they, was. they're drawn in that Did way, which is in weird. The end screen where he's here's the guy he's hugging her, and the chick just looks mortified. Yeah, she's chick. like, "Well, I did not want to be with this guy. Like, give Put, me back give, to the devil. I want to be back in the you meeting planet, that too, please. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The look on her face is not one of relief or <laughs> happiness or joy or lust or anything. She just looks like she looks like I'm so scared to be yeah. with this man. Yeah. To be fair, the man that would go through that planet to rescue you would be a scary dude. I don't care how much he loves you. That's scary love. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And you don't necessarily want to be indentured to this guy for the rest of your life. Uh, it, he would, there she is. Yeah, so I'm going to put this up on the screen so everybody <laughs> can see what. The, the look on this girl's face is, 
I mean, look at her. She just, and of course, she, by the way, we should mention that Jim Powers is like Poochie the dog, if you ever watch Simpsons. He's a kung fu surfer, Rastafarian, cool guy. He's got the, he, I mean, if you made a, like an 80s or early 90s cool guy, he'd have the mullet, mm -hmm. the dumb grin, the sunglasses. You know, he looked just like this guy. I mean, I mean, this guy looks like, a, he looks like a dude bro from from the bygone era. And the thing is, this is the end of the game. You defeat the bad guy, it cuts to a little, a one screen of text with the bad guy's head, then it's this, <laughs> and then game yeah, that's over. It. There, that's that, it, that's the now, whole end. Let's hope the TurboGrafx got some better footage. And this is a game that you play through, it takes 51 minutes to play through this game with infinite lives. And that's how long it is. 51 grueling. Yeah grueling minutes. I actually, like I said, I beat the game with super cheats on, and I was, like I said, the ending, I just, I couldn't get past the girl. I'm sorry, it's just a look on her face. Yeah, it was so dumb. And she's not what I would call well drawn either. <laughs> it's, a, it's funny, these guys do all this work to make the game look great, and at the end screen, it's just like a kind of a, a, a hacky drawing of a dork and this stunned weird chick, mm -hmm. but I guess that's what you get. So, anyways, getting back to the eBay, so um, in France, guess what? You can get these things all day long. And I saw plenty of them, but 70 or 80 bucks wow. boxed. So it ain't cheap, bro. Um, Italy, Italy, for some of the people down south, 220 bucks I saw them going for. Now, they didn't sell for that, but that's what they were asking. In Germany, 243 bucks. I don't think this ever got a North American release. Uh, I couldn't find reference to an NTSC version of this. So I would wager this never came to the States. Yeah. So if you're in America, you're going to have to... Get start, a pile machine. You're and... got to start shipping, <laughs> yeah. yo. So overall, though, you know, it's it's the another one that I, I, I wanted to like. Uh, again, with a kind of a dopey lead character, which, again, you can see why Amiga didn't have a lot of mascots. Mm -hmm. You can't have the ball... Do everything. There's got to be something else. You, you got to move beyond that juggling demo Boing at ball, some point. Man. I mean, we, I guess they had spot, so we could, you know, could have adapted that. But uh, um, you know, this is a cheese ball. This was a very cheesy game in a lot of ways. I mean, like I said, the ending was cheesy, and the main character was cheesy. The box art's cheesy. You know, but if you like that classic cheese, this is the perfect. This game is for this you. is this is the thing for sure. Well, before we uh, before we close out of here, it's been a while since we've actually talked about our um, our Patreon page. So I thought we'd do a little thing on that. Um, so if you are a listener that enjoys Amigos and you'd like to help support the show, we do have a Patreon page over at amigospodcast.com/patreon, and uh, you there are several levels of support. And we we did mention the uh, Amigos Game Selection Committee. Uh, that is one of the rewards you can get by. Supporting the show, but even if you just throw us a couple bucks a month, you can become an Amigos supporter, and you get featured on our awesome Amigos staff and supporter T-shirt, uh, which is growing by leaps and bounds. We're gonna do the back, and everything's on sale right now. Apparently, Ooh. thank you, T Public, for uh, flashing that up there. So uh, you can pick up this shirt right now for only fourteen bucks. But uh, again, if you'd like to support the show, you know uh, that's a great way to do so. We appreciate um, it. We also, Aaron, did you know that we tape this show live every week, almost? Almost every week. Some <laughs> days liver than others, depending on how so tired we are. If you're listening to this show in your car and you'd like to watch us live in your car as you drive, that's not a good idea. Don't do it. That's awesome. Do it. Um, but uh, you can tune into our YouTube channel, Amigos Retro Gaming. Uh, just like the fine folks we've got here in the chat, we got uh, Jason Warrens, Hendrick Anderson. 
Petro Retro, Duncan Styles, Brutal Barracuda, Paul H., Eric Sundstrom, Dan Ross. We got a whole crew of folks in here, John Marshall from right down the road. So uh, thank you guys for watching us. Um, and of course, Aaron, we can't let an episode go by without thanking our Amigo supporters out there on Patreon. Uh, this week we're gonna do a little something different. Um, I, uh, I, sometimes I just listen to random Amiga music on, uh, on YouTube. I listen to, I, I don't really listen to a lot of game soundtracks because they sound like Eurodance trash. I like this. But, though. um, I listen to a lot of the stuff that people do on trackers, you know, performing live on your Amiga with the keyboard as a music keyboard. I love that stuff. And um, a lot of times it comes complete with a lot of 90s video toaster effects, you know, layered in. Gotta have those, And yeah. so I found this guy that was performing on uh, cable access in San Diego in 1990. <laughs> oh, yes. His name is Mark Salud. And uh, I sent him a message on Facebook. I said, hey, is this you? And I linked to the video and I said, hey, you know, I love this song. Could we use this on one of our shows? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. He was real cool. And so uh, I'm gonna cue that up right now and uh, read the Patreon names to you as, you as the waves of Amiga music crash over you. Thanks to our supporters. Level Lord, John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRocher, Creepy Dead Boy, Figgy CTZ, The Slow Norris, The Slowest Norris, Stefan Sorgard Mortensen, Edvin Helen. Blendo75, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott, who we should get one of his songs. Uh, I was gonna say Ravi's the guy sure. you were describing yeah. earlier. Chris Folds, Chris Folds, Dreamcatcher, the gangster from Manchester, Laurent Giroux, Graham Vebke, Brent Dowdy, Lane Denson, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage. Do you know why they're called O'Brien's Retro and Vintage? Because that's Jonas's last name, Jonas O'Brien. What's the chances a guy that lives in Norway, his last name's O'Brien? It's They've got to be slam. But then again, I, I don't know many people in Norway. That's so that true. Maybe they're all named name, O'Brien. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Gary Hucker, the Huckster. The Huck. C. Brian Jones, Paul Harrington, Duncan Stiles, Anthony Jarvis, Tapes from the Crypt, Josh Nan, Will Williams, Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THT, Eric Nelson, Kim Tommy Humbertstad, Daniel Bingston, Brutal Barracuda, Double B, Darren Coles, Jason Warns, Pixels at Dawn, and go ahead. Kilborn Barman. Thank you. All right, Aaron. Next week, we're going to shift gears for another Amigos uh, Game Selection Committee selection. All right. This one, we are going to do Dune. Dune, your Dune. Yes, that's right. I think that was the tagline on the box. I will preface that by saying I hated the film. <laughs> did you read the book? I did not. Oh, yeah. You're not really a big sci-fi guy at all, are you? Sorry. That was yeah. Frank. Frank Herbert. Herbert. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, thanks as always for listening. Thanks, guys, on the YouTube chat. We will see you next week. Until then, adios. adios.